0: Father in heaven, it's a joy to to be here today, to gather in your name with brothers and sisters in Christ and worship you. Lord, you are worthy. You are great. You are awesome. Your love has been so supremely displayed for us by the cross. And so, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to worship you in song like we've just done. And now we want to worship you as we turn to your word. And learn more about your greatness. And so I pray that that would happen right now. That you would open our hearts uh, to hear your word as you speak to us. And Lord, that we would respond uh, by worshiping you and seeking to lead others to do the same. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright. It was the, one of the most memorable days of my life. The location was Chicago, Illinois. The date was july thirteenth, nineteen ninety-five. The temperature was a hundred and six degrees, the hottest recorded day in Chicago history. I had just graduated high school and I was with a group of students from my church on a mission trip called SIMP. And we were there with with several other hundred high school students at Moody Bible Institute. It was the first mission trip I'd ever been on. I'd only been a Christian for about a year at that time. In the first few days uh, of this mission trip, as we stayed at Moody Bible Institute, we went to the classrooms and we sat through some lectures and some workshops as they taught us how to share our faith and how to answer some tough questions that people may ask when you share your faith. Kind of like the seminar that we were just talking about. And then after being in the classrooms for two days, on the third day, they said, get out there. And they sent us out on the streets of downtown Chicago uh, to share the gospel with anyone that we could find to talk to. And so my group in particular, um, we were sent to uh, the beaches on Lake Michigan. Yes, we do have beaches up north. All right. It's actually really beautiful. Uh, you've got the beach and the lake on one side, and then you turn around and you see the, the skyline of Chicago right behind you. Uh, it's very pretty. And I can still remember walking around uh, the beach with my partner that day, and they had kind of this loudspeaker system, and this voice kept, come, kept coming over the, the loudspeaker system, repeating the same message. And this guy would say something like, please do not walk on the beach in your bare feet, people have been getting second-degree burns on the bottom of their feet because the sand was so hot. And so my partner and I, we kept our shoes on, all right, and we started to walk around the beach and look for some people that may have a little bit of time to have a conversation. And so they had equipped us with this little survey as a way to kind of go up to to people and initiate a conversation and kind of trained us how to uh, use that to share the gospel with people. And so we'd walk up to people and ask if if they were interested in taking a little survey. And some people said, no thanks. Um, Some people got very angry and told us to go away. Um, Some people said, yeah, okay. But then they didn't really want to talk very much. But then there were some people who were very engaged and open to what we were saying. There are some people that, that got really locked into the gospel message as we began to share with them that day. And incredibly, God opened the hearts of several men and women that day to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and put their faith and hope in Christ that day. It was an incredible experience. And I can still remember... I can remember one uh, young man in particular that we talked with. Uh, He was a college student. He was sitting on a bike, and he was holding a volleyball. And uh, we went up to him and talked to him, and we shared the gospel message with him. And he prayed to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, And after we prayed, I said to him, uh, man, I'm sorry, we don't even know your name. And he got this little smile on his face, and he was holding his volleyball. And he spun it around, and it said, Jesus on it. My friend and I kind of looked at each other like, what's happening here, right? We look back at him, he's got this little smile on his face. He says, my name is Jesus, right? And so I'm sure to him, his name had a new meaning to him that day and for every day that followed. And I can still remember getting down on my knees, uh, kneeling down on my knees on this beach towel uh, with this 30-something-year-old African-American man, sharing the gospel with him, his eyes filling with tears as he realized his need for a Savior. And we prayed, and he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was incredible. And by the end of that day, my partner and I, um, by the grace of God, were able to lead seven or eight people to faith in Jesus Christ. It was July 13th, 1995. It was the hottest day in Chicago history. But it was also a day of hope and a day of salvation in the city of Chicago. How? How did that happen? It was because two high school students, they got out there. And they were faithful to the call to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God opened the hearts of individuals. And eternities were changed that day. It was an incredible day and the most memorable days of my life. And so, this morning here at Bay Life Church, we're going to continue on in our series, Get Out There. Get out there, right? We've been walking through uh, the book of Acts, following the Apostle Paul as he's been on these missionary journeys through Asia and through Europe. And what's he been doing? He's been getting out there and sharing the good news, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and planting churches. And our hope is, as we walk through these passages, that we as a church, that we would be challenged to obediently and joyfully get out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, if you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 10 here in a moment. Um, but before we get there, it's always good to get a little context just to make sure we know what's going on uh, before the passage we're, we're looking at to know what's happening more fully in the passage we're, we're going to read. And so if you were here last week, uh, we saw that Paul and Barnabas, uh, they had this sharp disagreement and they decide to, to part ways and go different ways. And Barnabas grabs Mark and he goes one way and Paul grabs Silas and they decide to go another way. And along the way, Paul and Silas pick up Timothy, and they pick up Luke through a variety of circumstances, and they're going around to some different places in Asia, trying to share the gospel, but God kind of keeps closing the door on them. So then one night, um, they're sleeping, and Paul has a vision. It's a man from Macedonia, and in this vision, he says to Paul, come to Macedonia and help us. And so they wake up, and immediately, they know what they need to do. They pack it up, and they decide to go to Macedonia to try to share the gospel with people there. So that's where we're going to pick up in our story in in verse 10 today. And what we're going to see as we walk through uh, several verses in chapter 16, we're going to see the story of two different women, all right? Their stories really couldn't be more different. Their stories really couldn't be more opposite. But the end, what we're going to see, is that they both share The same ultimate, greatest need. And so, that's what we're going to see as we walk through these passages this morning. And kind of our first uh, main challenge from the scripture, from the text, is to go to the together. Go to the together, just as Paul went to the together. It's going to make more sense in a moment. Alright? So look at verse 10 with me. And let's continue on in Paul's journey as he travels with Luke, Silas, and Timothy. Verse 10, it says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. So what we see happening here is Paul has this vision. Uh, they wake up, and it says immediately they concluded they needed to go to Macedonia to share the gospel. And so they're in the city in Asia called Troas, and they get on a boat, and they sail to this island, Samothrace. They're there for the night. Then they get up, and they continue to sail on, and they arrive at Neapolis. It's a, a port city in Macedonia. And then they have a, a short eight-mile or so walk to get to Philippi, the city that they were planning on going to. And just to kind of help you visualize that, we've got a map here that I want to show you this morning that kind of gives us a visualization of uh, the journey that they went on. So here they are in Troas right here. And over here is modern-day Turkey in Asia, okay? So they're in Asia right now at this point. They get on the boat, and they sail uh, to this island, Samothrace. They're there for the night, and then they continue to sail on, and they land in Neapolis, which is a port city of Macedonia. And so here you see this whole area kind of is is Macedonia. Uh, And and this over here is modern-day Europe. This would be modern-day Greece right here. And so they land in Neapolis, and then they've got an eight-mile journey to Philippi. All in all, it's a a journey of about 156 miles total, okay? What's interesting is when they land in Neapolis, like I said, they've got about an eight-mile walk, and the walk that they take is on what's kind of a a well-known road. It's called the Ignatian Way. Uh, this road was built in 200 B.C. by the Romans. And incredibly, it was 700 miles long. All right, think about that. 200 B.C., building a road that's 700 miles long. And they built this road so they could transport Roman soldiers uh, through northern Greece. And what's incredible to me about this, about this road is it still exists. And you can see on the, on the picture right here, This is the Ignatian way right here. This is the road that they traveled on. And here's what's so incredible to me about this. Here's what's so incredible is this road right here, this picture, this is a visible reminder to us that the people that we read about in Scripture, they are not just characters in a fairy tale, all right? These are real men and real women living real lives just like you and I, walking on real roads, going to real places. This is not a made-up storybook, my friends. This is, this is historically accurate word of God that we hold in our hands. And how powerful is it to think that in 51 AD, nearly 2,000 years ago, on this very road right here is Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, and they're walking down this road eight miles to get to Philippi to preach the gospel for the very first time in the continent of Europe, which would change Western civilization forever. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. It's the word of God. It is true. It is historically accurate. These are real people going on a real journey, just like you and I. And so, let's continue on in their journey. As we look at verse 13. It's what it says. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And so what we see happening here is pretty typical. When Paul arrives in a new city, he usually waits for the Sabbath day, and then he looks for a synagogue, a Jewish house of worship, to go and share the good news that Jesus the Messiah had come, And that salvation is found through faith in him alone. But apparently what's happening here in Philippi is there weren't enough Jews to form a synagogue. And so because of that, uh, they decided to go outside the city gates and go down to the river to pray. That's right. They're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Right. I'm not sure if there's a van down by this river or not. Okay, But they are going down to the river to pray. And the reason they do that is uh, traditionally in a city, if there aren't enough Jews to form a synagogue, uh, they will go and try to uh, form a gathering outside the city by a body of water so they can perform uh, their ritualistic uh, worship washing uh, rituals. Okay, So they see there's no synagogue within the city, so they go outside the city gates, they go down to the riverside, And they indeed find a group of women that are there praying. And the text says that they sit down and they talk with them. Okay? So now we're going to look at verse 14. And we're going to see the story of one of these ladies. We're going to start to see some of the story of one of these ladies that we're going to talk about this morning. That's what it says in verse 14. Um, It says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia. From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. So one of these women that heard Paul teach, her name was Lydia. It says that she was from the city of Thyatira. Uh, This is a city that's found in Asia, and so it's very likely that Lydia was of Asian descent. And uh, we can make some conclusions from a few things that this passage says about Lydia. It says that she was a seller of purple goods. And from that simple statement right there, we can pretty well conclude that Lydia was a pretty wealthy woman, okay? The reason for that is during this day and age, uh, purple goods and selling purple goods is a very profitable and very lucrative business because purple goods at this time uh, were kind of scarce and they were uh, in very high demand. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is because purple at this time was the color of royalty. And so when kings and queens and princes and princesses would wear the color purple, the common people would see that, and then they would want to wear it as well, right? Kind of similar today to today, how we see actors or actresses on TV or athletes on TV, and they're wearing certain brands, and then we want to wear those brands as well, right? Like, for example, for me, when I was in high school, me and my friends, we all wanted to wear Nike Air Jordans, right? Because we wanted to be like Mike. But now I go to the gym, and I see something different. A lot of the kids are not wearing Nikes or Air Jordans anymore. They're wearing Under Armour shoes, and the reason for that is Under Armour is endorsed by Steph Curry, uh, this little guy who is blowing up the NBA right now. A back-to-back MVP won an NBA championship, and so People today, us common people, we see people on TV and we want to wear the brands people are wearing. This is the same thing that's going on with purple goods, so it made them in high demand. Well, like I said, they were also kind of scarce, and this made it a a very profitable business as well. And the reason for that is to get the dye to make uh, purple clothing was a very difficult thing to do. Uh, To get this dye, you would have to gather together uh, a lot of shellfish, that were only found in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. And it would literally take a a thousand of these shellfish just to make a small portion of purple dye. And so we can conclude that Lydia was likely very wealthy because she was a seller of purple goods. And what reinforces that in the text, which we're going to see in a moment, um, that she's very wealthy, is that she, she also owns a very large house in Philippi. And she is kind of the overseer of her household, and has servants uh, within her household. And so, without a doubt, we see that Lydia, she's a very wealthy woman, okay? The text also says another thing about her. It says that she's a seller of purple goods. It also says she was a worshiper of God, a worshiper of God. Now, what this phrase means is that she has been introduced um, to the God of the Old Testament. She has rejected paganism. She has rejected polytheistic religions that believe in many gods. And she has begun to believe in one God, the God of the Old Testament. However, this phrase indicates that she is not yet converted completely to Judaism. And so, that's where uh, Lydia finds herself in the story at this time. And from this information... I think what we can conclude about Lydia at this point is Lydia has it together, right? She has it together. Here's this woman. She owns her own business. She's doing very well. Um, She's very wealthy. She owns her own house in a very prominent city. She's got servants that are underneath her. And she's a church-going lady, right? I mean, this girl's got it together, right? From kind of the world standard, that's what we would conclude. That Lydia has it together. But Paul knew differently. Paul knew differently. Paul knew that the things of this world, the things of this world could not fill the hole in her heart that we all have. Paul knew the things of this world could not give her the peace that we all so desperately crave. And so Paul goes to the together. And he sits down with Lydia. And he sits down with these women. And he begins to talk with them. And he begins to share the gospel with him. And we don't know exactly what he says from the text right here. But I have no doubt that he shared with her something like, Lydia, God loves you. But your sin has separated you from God. And there is nothing you can do. You can never be good enough. There's nothing you can do um, to earn forgiveness. You need to turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah who has come. Who has died for your sin. And who rose again three days later. It's only through faith in Christ. That you can be forgiven. Be made right with God. And spend eternity with him. There's no doubt Paul shared something similar to that. So how did Lydia respond? Look back to me. Look back uh, to verse 14 with me. That's what it says. It says. The Lord opened her heart. To pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And so what we see happening here is Paul sharing the gospel with her, Paul sharing the good news with her, Paul sharing with her that she needs a savior to save her from her sin. And the text says that the Lord opened her heart to hear what Paul was saying. And that day, she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be her Savior. She was made new. She was born again. She crossed over from death to life through faith in Christ. And we see incredibly, immediately, she responds in obedience. And she, she gets baptized right there and then. And by doing that, she tells the whole world, I follow Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And then we see in the text that it's not just her that believes and gets baptized. There are others that are with her in her household. They believe and they get baptized as well. And then the text says that Lydia invites them to to come to her house and to stay with them. And uh, Paul and his crew, they agree to and they they go and stay at Lydia's house. And what's really incredible here, I think, is Lydia's house that day um, starts to become the first church in the continent of Europe. As we see as we go on through the journey, that Lydia's house um, becomes a church in Philippi. Pretty incredible. Lydia, she looked like she had it together. But that day, Jesus uh, came into her life. She put her faith in him. And her life was changed for an eternity. So I don't know about you. um, Maybe you can relate to Lydia's story in some way. Maybe see yourself in her story in some way. Um, I actually really see myself in Lydia's story in a lot of ways. See, when I was 16, a junior in high school, man, I had it together. Um, I was blessed with a great family. I was blessed with a lot of great friends. I did really well in school, got got really good grades. I started on my high school uh, varsity football team. I had pretty much everything. uh, A 16-year-old kid could want by the world standards i had it together right but the reality was in the inside on the inside something was missing something was missing there was a hole in my heart there was a lack of peace there was a lack of purpose within my heart and i can still remember to this day around that time laying in bed at night staring up at the ceiling and although i had this kind of vague general belief And God, I was so fearful about what would happen to me when I died. It would keep me up at night, night after night after night, and I would stare up at the ceiling. So it it looked like I had it together. But there was was one person uh, in my life that realized I was missing something. Her name was Sarah. Um, She was a senior at the high school I went to at that time. And we were, we were kind of friends. We weren't real good friends, but, but we were friends. And she knew that although it looked like I had it together, I was missing something. I was missing Christ in my life. And so she began to invite me to her high school youth group on Wednesday nights. And for the first several weeks, I'd just say no thanks and, and, and say no and turn down her invitation. And she kind of politely and persistently pursued me and continued to Uh, Invite me to go to her church with her on Wednesday night. And so finally, I said, okay, I'll go with you. Kind of just to get her off my back a little bit. And so that Wednesday night came around. And she pulled up in my driveway in her parents' minivan. And she picked me up. And uh, what I didn't realize was about to happen. Is then she went around and picked up a bunch of other kids in our city. uh, That needed Christ as well. And she took us to her, her high school youth group. On Wednesday nights, and we got there, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, we played a little bit of volleyball. Uh, we ate some good food. We got to, to hang out with uh, some people. Um, there were some pretty girls from other schools there that I didn't know, you know, so I had a good time, and then at the end of the night, um, this big guy got up and started to talk, and uh, he was a, a very funny guy, and he began to talk about Jesus, and his name happens to be Mark Saunders, all right, our pastor here at Baylife Church. And so Mark was uh, the high school pastor at this church in the city that I grew up in. And he would stand up and he would begin to talk about Jesus, something I didn't know very much uh, about at all. And, and, And I could tell as I was sitting there listening that God was beginning to open my heart to my need for a Savior. And I kept going back. And I kept going back several weeks. And a few months later, um, God finally just fully opened my heart and just brought it all together. And I can remember exactly where I was sitting in this room. As Pastor Mark stood up on stage, he had this whiteboard, and he drew up what's often referred to as the bridge illustration. Uh, Maybe some of you have have seen him uh, share this before. He shares it at Welcome Lunch, if you've been to Welcome Lunch. Um, and, And what he drew up is... Man is on one side, kind of on a cliff, and here is God on the other side. And man is separated from God. And what has separated man from God is sin. And so you write sin in this gap between man and God. And there's nothing man can do to get to God. This gap that's between them is so wide. Uh, We can never be good enough to get to God. We can never go to church enough to get to God. It's just impossible for us to do it on our own strength. And then he took his marker, and in between the two cliffs, he drew in a cross. And shared that the Bible says the only way we can get to God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. He died for us. He rose again, conquering sin and sickness and death. And he provided a bridge for us to get to God. And in that moment, the Lord just opened my heart fully, and I saw my need for a Savior. And I saw that only Jesus could save me from my sin. And I cried out to God, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ that night. And I can still remember going home that very night and laying in bed with such peace in my heart. Falling asleep so easily, and no longer having issues falling asleep anymore After that. How is that possible? How did it happen? Well, see, there was this girl named Sarah, and she got out there. She she went to the together, and she invited me to church, and she took me to church. And then a faithful pastor, Pastor Mark, stood up and proclaimed the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God opened my heart. And that day, my life and eternity were changed forever. And so, question for you this morning. Who are the Lydia's in your life? Who are the Lydia's in your life? Who are the together? Who are the people in your life that look like they have it all together? Maybe they drive a nice car. They have a nice home. They've got a good job. um, But you know, inside, they are missing the most important thing. Jesus Christ. Maybe they even come to church. Maybe they they even have this vague general belief in God. But they're missing the most important thing in their life, Jesus Christ. Well, let me just encourage you uh, to get out there, to go to them this week and sit down with them and share the good news with them. Now, I realize um, this can be kind of uh, an overwhelming thing to think about doing. Um, Sometimes, especially if we've known people like this for a long time, maybe it's your neighbor, uh, maybe it's a coworker. maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone in your family, There's are people that you've known for a long time, and so it can be difficult to initiate a conversation with them about it, like what do I even say, can I give you a suggestion this morning, uh, let me encourage you this week to invite that person over to your house, or invite that person out to coffee, And sit down with them and maybe say something like this. Um, I really need to to apologize to you and and say I'm sorry for something. See, we've known each other for a while. And I've never told you about the most important thing in my life. And then take that opportunity to share with them how Jesus has changed your life. Share the gospel with them. Share the good news with them. Share with them how Christ changed can change their life as well. I realize for for some of you, uh, again, that may be a scary thing. You may may be thinking to yourself, well, well, you don't know my my family, all right? And and you don't know my friends. Like, these these are some pretty jacked up people, all right? Well, let me go to point two then. Point two, which is go to the broken. Go to the broken. I thought about making it go to the jacked up, but it just sounded a little too... Hardcore, I thought. So, go to the broken. Go to the broken as Paul goes to the broken, which is what we're about to see in our text as we see the story of woman number two. Again, as I said, her story just couldn't be more opposite than the story of Lydia. Look at uh, verse 16 with me. This is what it says. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. So what we see happening here is that apparently as Paul and his crew were going down to the riverside uh, to to talk with these women, um, this young girl, this slave girl, uh, comes up to them and they have an encounter with her. And apparently she has within her uh, an evil spirit, a, a demon. The text says a spirit of divination. And this evil spirit within her Um, allows her to kind of predict the future and be a fortune teller of sorts. And the text says uh, that there are some men that have enslaved her and that are using her and abusing her to make much profit from her. Very, very sad story here, obviously. Very different from Lydia's. Follow with me in verse 17. It says, She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Well, that was unexpected, right? Here's this girl. She's got an evil spirit within her, kind of speaking through her. And what she's saying is actually true, right? She says, uh, these men, they are servants of the Most High God. And she says, these men, they're here to proclaim to you the way of salvation, How you can be saved from your sin. And so she's speaking the truth. Speaking in a way supporting the mission of Paul and these missionaries. Kind of unexpected, right? But Paul was a wise man. And he knew that although what this evil spirit was saying through this girl was true. He knew that no evil has good intentions. And he knew that other people would see this girl walking with them, saying these things, seemingly supporting the gospel message. But then when the time was just right, would change her story, would change her tune. People would think she was with them. And it would absolutely demolish their testimony and the gospel message that they were sharing. So Paul knew it was time to act. And that's what we see happening in verse 18. The last verse we're going to look at this morning. This is what it says. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And so you've got to love the honesty of Scripture, right? This happens for a few days, and the text says that, that Paul became very annoyed. He became angry, and he says to the Spirit, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ, and immediately the Spirit comes out of her. And although the text doesn't say it, uh, what we can likely conclude, as most scholars do, is that this little girl, as the spirit of of evil came out of her, turned from her sin and turned to put her faith in Christ. The text doesn't come out and say it, but what we see from, from many other places in Scripture is when a similar situation happens, when an evil spirit is called out of someone, they turn from sin and they put their faith in Christ in that moment. So we can very likely conclude that for this girl, her life was completely changed this day as she turned from sin and put her faith in Christ and had new life that day. So, incredible story. Incredible story. One thing that I think we need to make a very clear distinction on in this verse, in verse 18, um, is it says that, that Paul got annoyed, right? What we need to be really careful about and make really clear is that Paul didn't get annoyed with the girl alright? Paul didn't get annoyed with the girl. Paul got annoyed. He got angered with the evil spirit that was within her. See, Paul saw her need for the gospel. Paul went uh, to the broken in this moment. He saw her need for the gospel, and he shared the good news with her, and it changed her life. And so, I think for us, this is something we need uh, to follow and be really careful about as well. And so, We think about when we have encounters with the broken. Uh, Maybe people that are lonely, people that are needy, uh, people that are depressed, discouraged, maybe people that are addicted. Um, If I'm just real honest, I think for a lot of us, myself included at times, it's easy for us to have encounters with people like this in our lives and be annoyed by them. And see them as a nuisance. And not see their need. Alright? So let me just encourage you this morning. When you have encounters or relationships with people that are broken. People that are hurting. Let me encourage you to not see them as a nuisance. But to see their need. To see their need. And and take time to sit with them. And talk with them. and, And share with them uh, the love of Christ. And let them know that they are loved by you. That they are loved by God. That there is hope. That there is joy available to them in Christ. And so a question for you this morning. Who are the slave girls in your life? Who are the people in your life that are broken and lonely and discouraged and desperate? Um, could it be a neighbor of yours that... When you get to your house, you pull in your driveway and you get out of your car and go into your house as fast as you can so you don't have to talk to them, hopefully. And then maybe when you come out of your car, you go back. When you go back to your house, you go out to your car as fast as you can to hopefully avoid them. Or maybe is it a coworker um, that when you go to the bathroom, you take an alternate route uh, to not walk by their desk to hopefully avoid not having to get into a conversation with them. Or is it a family member that that keeps calling you and you keep missing their call because you're so busy watching America's Got Talent? You know what I'm saying? Um, I encourage you to see these, these people in your life not as a nuisance, but see their need for the gospel of Jesus Christ and do like Paul did and go to the broken. And so... We see two very different stories here. The story of Lydia, the story of the slave girl. They're very different. Uh, Lydia is very wealthy. She's prominent. She's well-respected. Um, she's a church-going kind of, of gal. And then we see the story of the slave girl. She, she is, is used and abused and exploited and just in a horrible place in life. And although their stories are so incredibly different, what we see is they have the exact same greatest need, which is the same greatest need that you and I share as well, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes to the together. And Paul goes to the broken. And we need to do the same. And lastly this morning, um, maybe you're sitting here this morning, and maybe you don't need to go to Lydia. Maybe you don't need to go to the Lydia's um, of the world. Maybe you don't need to go to uh, the broken of the world. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you are the Lydia. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you are the slave girl. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and and, and you are like Lydia. Uh, It looks like you have it all together. You're dressed nicely. Um, You've got a job. You're going to walk out to a, a nice car. You have a nice home. It looks like you have it together, but you know right here in this moment, sitting here, that there is a hole in your heart, and there is a lack of peace and purpose that exists within you. Because you've never uh, turned from your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you're more like the slave girl. And life has just kind of had its way with you. And you are so discouraged and you are so depressed and you're so down. And you don't even know where to turn and you feel like things are hopeless. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. Whether you are like Lydia or whether you're like the slave girl or whether you're somewhere in between. There is always hope for you in Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that yes, God loves us tremendously. But we all have sin in our life. We have all sinned. We have all done things that disobey God. And as a result of that, we are separated from God. And we are on this path to eternal uh, hell and and separation from God forever. And there is nothing we can do. We can't be good enough uh, to be forgiven of our sin. We can't be good enough to go to heaven. We can't go to church enough. We can't even just have this general, vague belief in God to be forgiven of our sin and made right with Him. What we need is a Savior. We need a Savior to rescue us from our sin. And incredibly, because God does love us so much, He provided that Savior for us in His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world. He lived a perfect life. He goes to the cross and takes our sin upon himself. And he receives uh, the punishment that we deserve. And he dies on the cross. And then three days later, three days later, he raises from the dead and he completes this, this way, the only way for us to be forgiven and to be made right with God. And what he asks us to do, it's Romans 10, 9, right? If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And so God asks us to turn from our sin, to turn to him, to believe Jesus died for our sin, that Jesus rose again, to put our faith and trust in him, and then we can be saved. And so last question for you this morning. Um, Maybe you're sitting here today, and for the first time, you've realized that you are a sinner, that you have sin in your life, and you've been separated from God. And maybe you're here this morning, and for the first time, you've realized that only Jesus can save you from your sin, that Jesus did die for your sin, and three days later, he rose again, making a way for you to be with God and spend eternity with him. If that's you... And you're here this morning, and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to receive this free gift of eternal life. I want to give you the opportunity to communicate that with God right now and cry that out to Him. And so, if you would, everyone, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you and you're here this morning, and you are ready to turn from sin and and turn to Christ, And you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he rose again. And you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. Um, I want to give you the opportunity right now to share that with God, to communicate that with him. And so I'm just going to pray. and, and, And you can just sit here in your seat and just kind of silently repeat what I'm saying to God, to share with him that you want to put your faith and trust in Christ today and receive this free gift of eternal life right now. You can just say something like, um, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. To raise again so that I can be saved from my sin, and spend eternity with you. I believe in you, God. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I put all my faith in you this moment to be saved. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you all would, just keep your uh, eyes closed and your head bowed real quick, and just for a moment. Hey, if that's you and you're here this morning and you just uh, cried that out to God right now and shared that with him, um, that's awesome. And I want to have the opportunity uh, to rejoice with you and to pray for you right now. So I'm going to ask in a moment, if that's you and you you have just communicated that to God, that you want to put your faith and trust in him to receive this free gift of eternal life today for the first time, um, would you just look up at me? And raise your hand so I can know that, so I can pray for you. Um, Thank you, sir. Praise God. Awesome. I see you back there, sir. Praise God. Praise God. I see you back there in the very back row. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. I see you, sir. Glory to God. I see you, young lady. Praise God. Glory to God. I see you, sir. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. I see you, sir. Praise God. I see you in the very back, sir. Amen. Praise God. I see you in the very back, young lady. Praise God for that. Glory to God. I see you, young lady. Praise God. Else, I'm missing, just put your hand up real high so I can pray for you. I see you, sir. Praise God. I see you, ma'am. Praise God. Glory to God. I see you in the middle, sir. Praise God. God's moving in this place today. I see you right here in the middle. Praise God. All right, pray with me. Father, we rejoice with you in this moment as we know you are rejoicing and the angels in heaven are rejoicing. As eternities have been changed here in this place, in this moment, as you have opened up the hearts of many to put their faith and trust in you. We praise you, God. We give you all uh, the praise and the glory. And I pray for these, uh, these folks that have just put their faith and trust in you to receive this free gift of eternal life. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would just fill them with your spirit in this moment in a mighty and powerful way. May they be overwhelmed with your greatness. May they be overwhelmed with your love. May they know in this moment that they have become your child. They are a, a child of God, and you are their father. And I pray, Lord, in these coming days, um, Lord, would you help them just turn from sin in their life and turn to you and and, and help them to follow you and and walk with, with you. And may you place people in their lives to encourage them, to speak truth to them, to help them on this new journey of faith. And I pray even that they would get out there this week and share with others how you have come into their life and changed them and how others can do the same through faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the ability to be a part of such an incredible body of believers here at Baylife Church. and Thank you for, for working in such a mighty way here this morning. We love you, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're here this morning, all right, we can rejoice over that for sure. Praise God. Praise God. If you raise your hand this morning, I would love to speak with you. Um, I'll be over here in the corner afterwards. We'll have some other pastors over here as well. If you raise your hand in the, in, in, this morning and put your faith in Christ, we'd love to just chat with you about that, rejoice with you, give you a Bible if you don't have one. And so I do invite you to come over to the corner and chat with us for a few moments. Um, The other thing is we do have an after party today, right now after this service, all right? And so today the, the emphasis is family ministry, which includes those from three months old all the way up to high school. So it's children's ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry. We've got some folks out at the tables in the lobby. If you're interested in learning more about these ministries and how you can possibly connect and serve in them, I can tell you they're just great opportunities to be able to build relationships with young folks uh, to share the truth with them, and to help build that foundation of faith, especially on Wednesday nights. We've got some great opportunities coming up this fall. You probably heard that we're going to be starting Awana on Wednesday nights in the fall. And uh, this is going to be a new endeavor for us on Wednesdays. And we're going to need a lot of volunteers to help with that. And so great opportunities uh, to talk to folks about serving there. All right. Thanks for coming uh, this morning and worshiping our great God. And I pray you'll have a great day and come back next week. Have a good, have a good day.